Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoy listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening today. Today, I've got Christine McDougall with me. Christine is uh, an old acquaintance of mine. I first met her 20 years ago. And the thing that struck me about Christine is she she's a provocateur. She's always kind of challenging the status quo in her thinking. She makes, not makes, she encourages you to think big and broad and to see what's not obvious and I lost contact with her for quite a while and then I found her again and she had created something that was super interesting to me, um, a business called Syntropic World and I'm going to get her to explain that in a minute. But the thing that most appeals to me and I know that there will be a lot of you listening that it will appeal to is that I find it very hard to run my business in alignment with my values and my bigger aim of, you know, how do we create a more um, socially sustainable planet? How do we honour diversity? How do we have kindness and compassion for each other? How do we look after the planet? All those things that are really important to me and, So I'm able to invest my effort in working with individuals and groups of people to grow the the complexity of their thinking and to really hook them into their body and their nervous system and all the wounds and all the old patterns that might be holding them back. And that's my contribution to, to that. But the thing that challenges me the most is that I have worked with financial systems, with accounting systems, with legal processes that I have to to run a business and they don't really align with that value and or values and so the thing that Christine has done is she's created a way of thinking about running your business that helps you to do that if that's what you want to do so that's why I wanted to have her here today thanks for being here Christine thank you for having me my absolute pleasure can you tell us a little bit about yourself because I mean, not only are you a thought leader and a provocateur, you write a blog every day. You, you're out there doing speaking engagements. You're a mentor to the people. I mean, I first met you when you were a coach and now you mentor. Like your your course is done all over the world. You have people from, is it 25 countries that have participated in your course? 27. 27. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you mentor a lot of people. Um, tell us how you got to this place now because mm-hmm. and and midlife has been a really big part of you absolutely stepping into your wise woman power and and really like standing in your authentic truth mm-hmm. and that has just been my observation of you seeing yeah you like, yeah yeah um well, all- thank- <laughs> <laughs> uh, well I've always been I've always been an edge dweller for a start um, and a visionary and a pioneer. And uh, and so as the fates would have it, I was introduced to the work of uh, Buckminster Fuller, who, brilliant mind, but uh, I was introduced to his work in my 20s. Uh, and it was, I had gone to learn to make a lot of money, which of course I did want to do in my 20s. And I met Bucky Fuller's work and that really changed the course of my life. And part of the reason it did was because of the enormity of his thinking, but also so future-based. So, for example, in 1927, nearly 100 years ago, he was considering the all-in accounting cost of a barrel of oil. Mm. Our accounting systems uh, do not account for the cost of Mother Nature to make things. Mm. And if we did include that cost and also the, the the cost after we've used it, the post-use cost, 
then pretty much any business on the planet right now would not be profitable. So our accounting systems, there's something wrong with our accounting systems. And so in 1927, Bucky was thinking like this about our planet. And he said that eventually we would pay the after tax of our lack of accounting. And that was just one small example of this mind that was uh, really considering humanity's future, as well as what he determined to do during his life was he wanted to understand what he called the generalized principles, how universe works. So the Mm -hmm. physics, math, science, uh, geometry of how our planet and nature and so on works. And he applied that to the built environment predominantly to uh, building houses, again, you know, in the 1930s that were off grid before Mm -hmm. the internet and so on, but fully, and he was building cars that were, very efficient and he was thinking like this and what I did with his work as one of the very early and um, people in the coaching um, movement worldwide and the founder in coaching of in Australia of the International Coach Federation what I did was I was applying that to human relational design Mm. how people come together and so I was practicing these principles in corporate teams, this odd setting, uh, essentially to, to create ecologies of synergy, which means that we're better together. And so uh, I've been a deep student of Bucky's work for a very long time, and but I've also been simultaneously someone who loves to bring people together to do things, you know, an entrepreneurial, social enterprise type of person. Mm-hmm. And I always just and I always had this experience over 30 years of doing that of these groups of wonderful, wholehearted, brilliant, intelligent people coming together around an idea and having it fall into what I call a messy human heap. Mm-hmm. Where the dysfunction of the the di- the relational dynamics itself it stopped the idea and the purpose that we gathered from actually reaching the light of day. And uh, and so there was something disturbing about bringing brilliance and um, and people who really cared and having that happen. Uh, and then in nineteen um, <laughs> in twenty fifteen nineteen I'm going where's the date in twenty fifteen <laughs> uh, in twenty fifteen I convened an event in my local community. I live on the Gold Coast and I convened an event called Big Blue Sky. And the purpose of this event was to bring multi-stakeholders of our community together to co-create the future of our city. And it was a very ambitious, very Bucky-like futuristic um, sort of thing. And But what I did differently was I created a tool called the Trust Manifesto, which is essentially an enterprise agreement that had, if you wanted to participate as a volunteer in Big Blue Sky, you had to agree to the trust manifesto and you had to participate in a thing called the synergistic audit, which Mm -hmm. is a completely different way of uh, uh, honouring value and contribution in relationship. And what happened as a result of that is a team of complete strangers 12 people who had never met each other prior to this event from the most diverse backgrounds that no HR department in their living days would consider to put together to create an event, multi-stakeholder, incredible moving parts event, no event experience. And we co-created this exquisite, extraordinary experience without a single human upset and entirely um, self-managed. And I, I liken it to, it's like if I had walked into a, a town square of a large city and gathered a group of people and given them instruments, clearly they'd have to be musicians to start, but given them instruments and said, now we're going to play this, and the symphony that came out of it was just jaw-dropping. That was the experience of this mm-hmm. team of people around this event. And so uh, that was kind of the beginning of what has become uh, centropic world which is where we teach how to do that but we also teach the uh, so the trust manifesto piece as I mentioned but also the synergistic accounting which is an incredible tool to change our relationship to value 
um, mm. essentially to remember the value of everything. And uh, and so that was sort of the seeds of this. And um, it, it sort of became fully formed through COVID where we went from being live workshops into virtual and uh, it's just it's ongoing now it's just an incredible uh, an incredible space for people. COVID kind of pushed ahead a whole lot of stuff didn't it it was <laughs> it was terrible but it was it was equally valuable in so many ways. What do you see you know as you mentor these people and teach them about you know your syntropic principles about the trust manifesto what are the great um sort of light bulb moments or learnings that you see really commonly come out for a lot of people yeah we get a lot of comments multiple but the 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 typical comments are i feel like i've come home yeah uh and because what i'm teaching in the masterclass we do we have a couple of um programs that we teach but the centropic enterprise masterclass is essentially the principles laws of nature principles how nature works but we're yeah. applying how we coordinate humans and build things build enterprises yeah. yeah yeah and because the the critical the issues the meta crisis that we have on the planet right now um is not going to be solved uh through anything other than human coordination elegant mm. human coordination mm. from diverse areas and so on and so um, but because we're applying the laws that we engage with every single day without thinking about it, and I and I want you to think, why have we never taken the way nature works and has figured out over several billions of years? Why haven't we ever taken those principles and applied them to everything we do rather than reach up into the shelf and pull out some completely random abstract thing about how to honour someone's contribution value, how we accumulate wealth, all of those sort of things, which is completely and absolutely dissonant to a future planet and life and nature, the way nature works. And so when people step into those um, tools and models and learning, it's almost like an exhale because I know this. Of course you do. Yeah. Of course we're yeah. working with but we've never we've never thought about we've never applied it it is also like a mind scramble because i'm asking people to essentially tip out everything that they've learned about how to do business human engagement accounting for value uh, um, legal codes all of that sort of stuff it's it's like that and we're going to create something else and so there's a lot of unlearning and different language i'm a big proponent of new world new language so different language sets and so coming home uh, and exhale, thank goodness. Um, and then, of course, there's the that learning process, like learning to drive a car, manual car, clunk, clunk, clunk. Oh, mm. now I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that experience. And, uh, um, and then I get the stories from all around the world. Um, for instance, Sarah in Tanzania who hired her latest chief operating officer using the synergistic audit mm. and he agreed to engage with her venture because of the audit and because of the questions that she asked him and not only did he agree to engage but he also sort of signed on wholeheartedly at a lower salary than he'd been used to because of the experience and the mission and the way uh, Sarah shows up in you know, building the business that she's building. So I hear stories like that all the time. Mm, that's very powerful. I mean, it seems obvious. I always think it seems obvious. You know, why wouldn't we just follow the rules of nature? Like we're mammals, our bodies are wired this way. We are, we are nature. We're part of it ourselves. And then I, you know, I sort of think, okay, well, where did we stop being like this? And what happened in the Industrial Revolution that our mental model of the machine kind of dominated everything and austerity came in and we lost that real connection with our, with our bodies, with our humanness, with nature, with seasons, with rhythms, you know, the rhythmic cycle. And, and I, 
you know, we're not only saying it in the way that we're ruining the planet, but we're also seeing it in our really poor health, quite frankly. Yeah. 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 And and I think I remember when I did my master's because I did a master's in all change and we did a whole subject around one of the change subjects around the different mental models that people have. There was like 10 or 12. And I remember the organisation as um, we called it environment, but it's essentially like nature, right? And I thought, doesn't everyone always think like this? Because that was just my mental model and how I worked. And she's like, no. Like I would have thought it was really obvious. And she said, no, it's not. And that was very naive of me. I think I was about 28 at the time. But, um, yeah, and and so much of that drives how we show up and, the, and how we make decisions and it blocks our learning too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it sort of blocks our learning around what's possible. Yeah, I you know, I think if from my experience, a lot of us know that, uh, and this is you can look at this from a condition of mental health and so on, but a lot of us know that we're doing everything asked backwards. Yeah. And, and there's a terminal point, and there is. And... Uh, I, I literally on my Beauty of Beginnings blog this morning, I wrote about how uh, I, I, my language is different, <laughs> uh, our addiction to being happy. And it's like, well, that doesn't allow for, for the range of humanity to be in that. I, 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 how do I hold the, how can I hold the tension between I have, I'm so happy with my life and I'm heartbroken, mm. this, that and the other, and can they coexist? And we have this, social media, Instagram world that only propagates a mythology that is just absolutely rubbish. Um, and so anyone who feels that they're not always happy, what's wrong with them? You know? mm. and- but that's that's very real, right, because we have all these teenagers in, in, and lots of people, but I'm just going to call this out, right? So coming out of the pandemic in the collective, I'll call it the collective nervous system, we have a whole lot of really unhappy teenagers all over the world, like high levels of aggression, high levels of anxiety, high levels of depression to the point that in Australia, but I know this is the case just talking to friends all over the world, but in Australia the education departments have done a report and review across the whole country into what the hell is going on with these teenagers because their behaviour is so crazy. Anyway, uh, there's a somatic experiencing professional called Irene Lyon. She's a prolific content maker. I really love her work. And she was speaking to this a few months ago. And she's like, well, you know, you can't lock all these people up for a really long time and expect anything other, like all this fight and flight energy stuck inside of us and, and expect anything other than unbridled anger or aggression sadness depression to come out which is very very true but I will add to that that the the social media hoo-ha which these kids have grown up in which has all been like everything's happy life's got to look good that yeah they can't hold they don't have the capacity in their nervous systems and it's not being modeled for them in the, the social systems that they exist within that how to hold sadness, how to hold anger, how to hold frustration. And so when when they experience it, when they experience the fear and the anxiety, they think that they've got mental health issues. Mm. And, and then they, you know, press it down and ignore it. And it's like how do we normalise? Actually, these are just normal emotions. Mm. And if you repress them, it exacerbates the problem. And our body stores every experience of our life in its neural pathways and the muscles and the ligaments and the tendons and that's where it's all held and um how can we create i I mean i'd love everyone to be like more trauma informed because i think that would bring so much more compassion and kindness to the world but how do we normalize for them that actually a part of being human is having every you are you can access every emotion Mm. every single emotion and that's that's what being a human is all about. Hmm. We've kind of lost the plot, haven't we? 
Well, yeah, I, and I think that's just one of the many ways that uh, that we've lost the plot. And I, I, I certainly think that if I were a teenager uh, and I had the choice between really looking at what's happening to the world that their parents and parents' parents have created for them and uh, and then scrolling on social media, I know which one I would think I'd probably um, find the one that numbs me out versus the one that informs uh, what's really going on and, uh, yeah. and, and the future that uh, we are leaving if there is one, and I'm, I'm not trying to sound very pessimistic, but we've already got, uh, you know, in every single drop of water on the planet, there's already chemicals that cannot be removed mm. everywhere all of mm. the time that we don't know how to process that's affecting our bodies. Mm. And that are, um, and that's just one example. So we've crossed thresholds in multiple different ways and there is no stopping at the moment. It's not. There's no one pulling the lever on any of this. Mm. Uh, so we're accumulating more and more knowledge about the harm that we're doing to each other and to our creatures. Uh, I mean, the insect insect population is decimated. Um, mm. This is a, a, a terminal life event, by the way. It's not a little, you know, insects are gone. It's like no, it's bad. Like bees. I bad. mean, bees. Bees yeah. are in yeah. trouble. When bees are in yeah. trouble, we're in trouble. Yeah, and so. I, I mean, I, I think if I were a teenager at, at, at this stage of life, um, there's, I would feel depressed. And in actual fact, I think we all feel need to feel depressed um, <laughs> at some point. That doesn't mean that we sit down and, and uh, watch endless amounts of streaming TV and do nothing. But uh, I think we've really got to embrace the range of our emotions and feelings mm. And go to those dark places because something has to shift in order for enough people to go enough with this, mm. uh, you know, and I'm, <laughs> um, and so part of what I'm doing is uh, creating models and tools for the other side of the chasm. Hopefully people will adopt them in the earlier days, but uh, we've got to have templates and blueprints of how we can do things differently. Yeah. We've got to have them now. And uh, and not only templates and blueprints, but also the case studies and the experiences. And, mm. and when people like us do things like this, this is what happens. And it's not what we're used to. Uh, it's different. But it's better for us in every domain. And, uh, yeah, so it's a very ambitious, very ambitious long-term. Um, everything I'm doing, I'm working on past my lifetime because it's... Mm. I'm pretty pragmatic around that. I'm a, I'm a raving idealist and I'm very happy about that. But I'm also an incredible pragmatist because uh, it's going to take some time potentially or we'll have a catastrophic event and people will be going, what do we do now? Well, they're the moments because uh, as people like uh, Naomi Klein have written about and Re Rebecca Solnit, in crisis, uh, the general option after a massive crisis event like a, a Hurricane Katrina or things like that is that the bad actors move in. Yeah. And disaster capitalism and so on happens. And so we've got to be prepared with a different toolkit for a world with a future that will increase the well-being for earth and all her creatures and so that's what i'm really focused on how do we do that yeah it feels enormous but it feels doable at the same time i, I guess once you start getting enough people interested although that but you see that people say oh coming home like yeah i, I know this like mm. that's very inspiring yeah, and so there's two parts to this. One is, uh, and people, I have a t my team, you know, I'm clearly uh, a big picture visionary, whole systems change person, but all the work is very granular and practical and and hands on. Mm. Uh, and and so, if we're going to 
if we're going to do things at the community level, then we need to coordinate at the community level that ena enables us to be synergistic in our response, yeah. where we are better together, yeah. where we're not spending our time stabbing each other in the back or doing uh, drama, 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 or any of that sort of stuff. And so uh, if we're even families, you know, we have we had our first Centropic family graduates <laughs> Um, through the masterclass earlier this year, uh, even families, how do we create those really incredible ecologies? It's not that this family wasn't already, but um, you know, bringing those tools in and so on, bringing into education and everything else like that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a huge visionary and I have a huge, I hold a huge space for large scale systems change but for me where it starts is at the ground level at the grassroots yeah. i'm not trying to influence a politician or a ceo of a multinational company i'm not trying to do that because i believe they're the system that they're trapped in whether consciously or not uh there's too much uh incentive and too much uh sunk costs for them to move out of that so yeah, where, I agree with you. Yeah, where yeah. we're focused is we're definitely focused on grassroots, on people, on small businesses, on people who are community workers, uh, not-for-profits, people who are really working at the face of change, that in the way they do that, they are, it's not just the, the famous Gandhi quote, uh, be the change, be the change, we need to be the change. But how we do what we're doing, the thing that holds all of us together that are creating this change is a model of the world that we want to see. Mm. And that, uh, for me, that's equally important. Uh, and in actual fact, it's the only way I think that this is going to happen is because we have to have, it's like the the story of the imaginal cell, which you probably know, but, you know, when they're in the messy uh, messy, undifferentiated mass of a chrysalis, a caterpillar turning into a chrysalis to become a butterfly, these imaginal cells, you know, one pops up randomly and it's a, mm. it's a foreign entity so it gets gobbled up and then another mm -hmm. pops up randomly, gobbled up, gobbled up, gobbled up until there's enough where they start to cluster together yeah. and build, and that's how you get the butterfly. Yeah. And so, you know, the work of Centropic World is building the imaginal cells all around the planet that are demonstrating this, case studying it, here's how how to do this. When we do this, this is what happens. And just staying on that um, so that there's enough imaginal cells, enough mass, enough story that, that it becomes a, a bigger story that needs to be told and other people pay attention. It's yeah. a long-term plan, yeah. but... I'm not trying to. I'm not shaking the cages of government or or uh, multinationals. Yeah, no, I can see that, and I think you do have to work from the ground up, and you do have to have like all these different tools that help people come together in conversation as well, and to work collaboratively because you can't you can't deal with co complexity without having collaboration. Like it's actually not possible. So giving them the toolkit yeah. and the permission and creating the space and, you know, creating, um, I don't know, some people would say safety. Sometimes I say, is it safe enough, right, where they can talk and be open and express their point of view rather than shut down. Yeah. Hey, are you, so you write a blog every day and have mm -hmm. for years because I get yeah. your emails and I read them all the time. Can you talk to tell us a little bit about that and what got you going? Because they're really beautiful. Oh, um, I was just reading one about procession, and so for people that don't know, procession is how. Um, well, I guess it's the effect of a body or bodies in motion, and how it affects other bodies in motion. Yeah, is probably. But there's so many different ideas there. There's so many. I just I looked at it and I went, oh my god, how? How does she have the energy to write a different thing every day? So I have I write two things. I write I, I started writing Beauty of Beginnings on the first of January 2018. And it was as random as I was sitting at my coffee shop at the time. And 
I thought I've always wanted to write a book. And so what I'll do is I'll write a daily blog for 365 days. And at the end of that year, I'll have a book. Mm-hmm. Six years later, on the, <laughs> which will be on the 1st of January, 2024, that'll be six years. Uh, we're just in the process of pulling together the, the first book, uh, which is harder to do now because we've got to curate all of the all of the articles of six years of writing and the photographs. So it's an article, The Beauty of Beginnings is a short article, usually about 250 words, sometimes longer, sometimes less. So a little soundbite with a gorgeous photo of the sunrise over the Pacific Mm. because I'm a dawn person and I like being outside for that type of thing. And so uh, that started like that and I write about, I don't, I write about everything. I write about politics. I write about life. I write write about business. I write about principles. It's sometimes very personal. You know, so there's no, but for me, I'm a writer, clearly, because I write without even thinking about it. It's a, I'm often writing to sort my thinking. So it's my sorting thinking process. So that's beauty. And then I have, I do Sunday Centropy, which is a longer article. Uh, I write that on Wednesdays. It gets published on Sundays. And, yeah, so I have a little bit more space. It's usually not that long, maximum about 1,500 words, but that's where I do things like procession or anything that's got yeah. more complexity or I wanted yeah. to sort of jump into it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I have I, I do that. Um, again, a large part of it is sorting, clarifying. I'm not an academic. I don't do academic form writing with lots of references or anything else like that. I do have references, but mostly it's just my uh, really looking at a subject and and um, so I've written about capitalism. <laughs> and I have I do a lot of writing about rights and responsibilities, anything to do with centropic principles and so on. So it's just it's a very broad ranging thing and that goes out all over the world. Yeah. I mean I could see from my perspective, because I was reflecting when we met a little while back and talked about this and I was like, I could do it, but at this time in my life, because I've got teenagers that just take up a lot of energy when you least expect it, um, I just feel like I need more spaciousness in my life so that I can be more have more dynamic steering in my day should I need it because uh, of, of where they're at. But I, yeah, I really admire the fact that you do that. I think it's amazing. And <laughs> it doesn't but take I love, that long. I love your, I know, but I just love the your different insights. And I kind of get, because I post a lot on Instagram, like different things about the, my content and, not, you know, that's 200 words all the time and I'll think, oh, I'm you know, just thinking about this particular thing or, you know, and I'll post and I get on TikTok and talk about it, which is also a bit of a laugh. The thing that I find sort of frustrating but also, you know, getting back to this point of if you've got to start somewhere and start at the grassroots is there's so much noise out there, <laughs> like in terms, like I think, oh, I'll put my voice out there, but there's so much noise on yeah. social media, on, you know, your emails or whatever. And do I want to contribute to that? Like am I? do I want to give people some peace? Like, you know, so I have all these kind of, thoughts going through my head all the time tell me what you how how are you with all yeah that? so you don't write I don't write uh I don't write for uh to gain traction I don't write uh, to be famous I don't write for any other reason than there is this thing arising in me and it's a question and I want to figure out how to answer it myself and I like mm-hmm. writing you know I like writing I love words I love reading amazing writing I would like to think one day that I could be of that type of caliber and uh and so writing is a it has always been ever since I was young so that's it's it's in it's tropical. part of how you process your life isn't it by the sounds yeah. of it yeah I have journals going back to when I was 11 wow. and uh and so in centropic world we talk about the pattern integrity of the source idea but also the pattern integrity of a human which is our sort of like unique particularities and expressions and so on and writing is definitely a it's a natural expression for me so Mm. there's that first Mm. Uh, but I don't write it for uh I don't essentially write it for others I write it for myself yeah and I'm not uh, more often than not the times I've gone oh should I publish this 
almost 100% of the time when I do that. When I publish that thing that I've doubted, I get the most response. Yeah, interesting. But the other thing about that is that I've learned continue, you know, because I publish every day and it goes out to Facebook and I don't do TikTok, but it goes out to Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn uh, and Medium and then also on my blog page. When I do um, the, I'm, I'm constantly surprised by the pieces that people like. Mm. And, uh, sometimes I go, oh, I like that one myself and nothing. But yes, I, I, have, I, I, I have those I, moments where you think, oh, yeah. I'm so clever. I've just done this and then you yeah. go, and then, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and then I put, and I get this, I get this amazing uh, feedback and so on. So what I've learned is that I, I can't be wanting the feedback. I just have to keep writing and mm. I have to keep trying to be, better in my writing and better in my structuring my thinking and uh and also really connect with my my voice my words my soul in again you know in part of the centropic work we teach about being a transmission and so mm. and when you talk about there's so much noise out there there is but most of it is static is static electricity it's it's just rubbish noise it's it it's noise rubbish. for all sorts of wrong reasons and to look for a signal that is uh, that is a transmission in other words it is we um you know the idea and its pattern integrity towards the purpose is we call that the vector of power it's a transmission yes and it cuts through all the noise and people who are looking for noise won't find you, but people who are looking for a transmission of voice will find, and truth it. Will find you. And we're missing that everywhere. And this mm. is one of the reasons why Greta Thunberg is such a great example of this voice as a transmission <laughs> because when she speaks, there's no ambiguity around her what she, she everyone knows why she's what she's so what clear and, and there is no fluffy words there's no, no extra bits there is no she doesn't make any apology there's no excuses it is simply i'm here to do this you I, and i might piss you off and i'm okay with that mm. and and because we need to do this and the the uh grumpy misogynistic white males who can't stand uh young girls being um telling them what to do hate her that's true yeah and i and i think about greta all the time because i think she is an exemplar of a transmission uh it's the type of transmission people are desperately hungry for something that is so clear in its integrity that you have no doubt about why the person is speaking there is no misalignment between who they are and the values that they're putting out there yeah all the other stuff that is bullshit promoting this that and the other and wanting to sell or hook or catch or whatever it is like we don't need any more of that but we do need more transmissions we do need people who are, are really taking a stand and particularly because we have a lot of transmissions from people who are taking a stand for uh, more corruption and uh, more violence and more this, that and the other. We particularly need more transition transmission from people who are standing for an, the increased well-being of Earth and all her creatures yeah. unambiguously. And so if if you've got something to say about that, say it. But say it because it needs to be said by you and not because you want to build an audience or do this, that and the other. That was... I'm. I don't even look at the numbers. I, it's irrelevant to me. It's not why I write. If it yeah. was why I wouldn't do no, it. No, me too. Like I just like sometimes I just make record or, you know, if it's speaking on TikTok and then I write for Instagram. Sometimes I just transfer the TikTok stuff over. And TikTok I get a lot of, you know, views, but I don't look at it. And then sometimes I'll look at something and go, oh, it's got like 15,000 views. Oh, that's really interesting. And my 15-year-old goes, oh, mom, that's so cool. And I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. What matters is that people are learning from the information. Yeah. The the, the views don't matter. It doesn't matter if 200 people look at it. But if that helps people, that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me um, your midlife transition you said Mm -hmm. to me was like, very powerful for you and I can see 
in the 20 years that I've known you, how you have stepped into your wise woman power, authenticity, like you are like claiming it big time. Can you tell us a little bit how it was for you? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, multiple, This is there are never simple uh, little sliced up stories. There's always nuance and, and, and all of that. Yeah, complexity and so on. Um, I mostly single mum. My daughter now is 32. We have a great relationship, but I spent most of my life as a single mum. And uh, then I had a 13 year period of uh, celibacy and not, not interested in having a relationship unless it was extraordinary. So just, it was, it was just not interested in compromising on any level, on any level at all. <laughs> and <laughs> because I wanted to, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to find out who I was. Yeah. And I wanted to be happy with myself. And I wanted just, I wanted, I wanted to be enough. Complete, yeah. complete. And so this is generally not a weekend workshop. It's a process. And through all of that, I'm a single mum, always been self-employed uh, and a roller coaster, single self-supported mum, so no other support. Yeah. Um, and, and just the roller coaster of that. And most of the pain that I went through was around my value. Mm. Um, I could see that I had something powerful and uh, unique and integrous to offer I couldn't understand why the smooth talking sour slimy person would take the cake that I was trying to get a crumb of you know and and in those days I would I thought there was something wrong with me I thought Mm. I would there was something deeply wrong with me and that was part of the reason why I wanted to understand the monetary system uh, which is uh, I started that investigation in 2006 because I thought there was something wrong with me because I didn't have any money and I didn't have any means and I had this ability and skill and intelligence, but I just couldn't translate that. And and so I wanted to understand the system that I was in, great um, procession, you used that term before, because the pain of not understanding my value took me on this journey to understand the actual system that we're in, which of course is designed to do everything it did to a single mother like me yeah. and uh, and uh so I had that experience uh and then I mentioned Big Blue Sky in the second year of Big Blue Sky because what we were proposing was so progressive and I hesitate to use that word for multiple reasons but so uh progressive so towards unplugging so much of how we live and be in society from the incumbent system that the incumbent system particularly one part of it took great um with way more power than me that's for sure (laughs) took great offense and attempted to do damage to what we were doing Mm. and this was my first public facing role ever um and I was I took it very personally. And if I had have had a mentor in my corner at the time, they would have said, you're rattling the cages, Christine. And mm-hmm. eventually one of the people in the big institutions are going to go, oh, we don't like you. We're going to take you out. When that happens, you should go, yay, we're on track. Yes. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> but I didn't have that. And so um, I didn't have I didn't have that knowledge and so I I took it incredibly personally that anyone could think that a team of people who were so dedicated to something so good for our community city's future uh, would even think to kneecap them. And I went into an incredibly dark depression. Mm. Uh, And and it wasn't just that it was all of it was this whole thing wrapped up in each other and still i was still still clearly single single and so when um i had a friend throw me a lifeline um which was amazing um but when i came out of that uh it was a very easy decision because it was like okay if i'm going to engage again in life if i'm going to take a step and get back out of my essentially bed where I want to go to sleep and not wake up 
place, if I'm not engaging, then I'm going to do it on my terms. Mm. And what I have, the terms that I set for myself around that was, uh, I was no longer going to, I was no longer going to continue to rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic or polish the guardrails. My work now was to create new boats, new models, new maps, new language that make the existing obsolete. I wasn't going to care what anyone thinks of me. I wasn't going to be. Um, uh, I wasn't going to focus on the bad stuff that's happening and getting bent out of shape. I still struggle with this, by the way, by all the people mm. that are doing horrible things. I was rather going to focus on this future and this world that we can create through new models. And so that was a really clear uh, choice. It was so easy to make because the, the other choice was not be here at all. Mm, and so mm. it was either this or, or I didn't want to do that. Mm. And so I made that choice. And then simultaneously when I went, when um, I said I had 13-year celibacy way back when I had that experience, I made another decision. I'm pretty good at keeping my decisions as a pure intention, but I made another decision that if I was ever going to meet somebody, I was going to meet them by living my wonderful life, my the life that I created for myself. Mm. I wasn't going to meet them doing anything else but living my life. And uh, and so as Centropic World was coming into being, uh, I'm frequenting the same coffee shop that I started my blog on the 1st of January 2018. Um, I met um, I met Tony, um, my partner. I, I I didn't know he was, you know, we just had a friendship yeah. over eight months. I didn't even, never even thought of him as anything other than the nice guy at the coffee shop. We became friends. He knew my daughter, my daughter, and he got on really well. Um, and it was just this really nice guy. I never gave him a second thought until something happened. And, you know, we've been together four and a half years now and Centropic World and Tony are symbiotic are complementary you know they're, mm-hmm. they're they're intimately a part of each other and um yeah I'm you know I it, here we are it, you get you get yeah <laughs> I think you get to this place <laughs> through um going through many crucibles yeah yeah, I was thinking while you were talking, you know, um, in all the developmental psychology literature around adult development, everyone, every single person, doesn't matter which way you slice it, look at whatever it says, the developmental challenge of midlife is radical honesty and truth. Come back to the, the essence of who we are. And as you were talking through that, I was like, holy shit, she was really radically honest with herself about where she's at, but also what she wanted, yeah. what your desire, like you were led by desire. It was so clear. Hmm. And the threats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, this is as well, you know, this is what we talk about being a transmission in um, Centropic, in the workshop and the masterclass we teach. You know, when we have an idea, we are an idea, mm-hmm. you know, we are an idea, but when we have an idea that we want to bring to life, that idea itself has its own pattern integrity. It has, it's not ours. We're not it. Um, we're there to steward it to existence, just like a mother with a child. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. And our, and our attention is on, is in communion with what the idea needs from us to bring it from an idea into, into form that field of intentionality is incredibly powerful. But when we have that idea and we know it's patent integrity and we're clear on the direction, the purpose that we're going, that's the transmission. That's the um, vector of power. That's where uh, everything else falls away. Sure, we're in the moment to moment. How do we bring that to life? Again, just like being a parent, mm. you're in every day is different with a child and you're in the conversation. And if you've got more than one, you've got two different pattern yeah. integrity yeah. children yeah. expressing themselves and all of that sort of stuff. So we're in that constant, how do we support the, this unique, beautiful human to come into the fullness of their being? Uh, well, it's the same with uh, stewarding an enterprise, stewarding yeah. an idea. How do we hold that and create that shape and container for this idea to come into the fullness of its, its being, which may not be the form we expect? Yeah, yeah. Can... And, and Yeah, and so 
I I guess part of this as well as realizing that um, I had a, a teacher once say to me that I have a very powerful ability to manifest and I thought she was absolutely bat crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after years of struggling to manifest uh, just a, 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 a decent income, I thought she was that crazy. <laughs> but I have a very powerful. You do. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely do. And I think you're right, like earlier on in the story about where when you're rattling the cage and people move away, that's a good sign. Yeah. Right? Like I think... You know, if I'm writing something and in my weekly email and it pisses people off and I lose a few subscribers, I'm like, yeah, right, it's working. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they, yeah. yeah, they get activated by it and that's a good thing, right? I think that's a good thing. And we have to stand for something. Yeah, we? we've got like to stand it, up for it. And that's and why you're right because you've got something to say. Yeah. And it's not for everybody. It's for those people that are waiting for your voice and are going to be inspired by it. And that's why you write. Um, mm. Well, that's why we do things is because we're going to be in service to uh, somebody else, um, other people or our future that's going to benefit from that. So, um, and if I, I used to think a lot about someone like Barack Obama, um, it's interesting. I just had a reflection on that. But I used to think, imagine going to bed every night with millions of people hating on you, like hating, not just disliking, but seriously hating, hating you. I know. Yeah. Hating you. And I think, God, you have to you have to be so committed to what you do. You either have to be so committed or you have to be a narcissistic lunatic. And there's enough of those out there. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Like the commitment has to be so strong and the passion has to be so strong. And yeah, that's what we need. That's yeah. what we need. So thank you so much for coming <laughs> and speaking today. That's been such an interesting conversation. And I am sure it will have equally inspired and maybe pissed off some people listening to you and I talk about that. <laughs> And I'm totally okay with that, <laughs> which is actually why I do the podcast anyway. It's just about uh, I love talking to people and yeah. I like interviewing people and I like people, I like to share ideas, right? I like to share knowledge or conversations and I'm just like, I just want to like talk about all different things with different people and so people can learn and it can just inspire their thinking about how do, how am I living my life? How am I contributing to what's going on in the world? How am I, um, you know, am I, am I being able to be my most authentic self? You know, what's my transmission? What's my, you know, what's my purpose? Like, and for me, my purpose is like, just for, I, I, I'm not into it. your purpose is your work. I'm like, your purpose is being yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you can do work that helps you be yourself, all the more, yeah. all more for it yeah thanks again thank you so much thanks and um if people want to find you so it's centropicworld.com yeah no just centropic oh, world s-y-n-t-r-o-p-i-c dot world yeah uh that's right and what about on social media you're on facebook uh, yeah, um, I'm on Facebook, um, both my name and centropic world i'm on instagram i think is uh centropic world yeah cool I'll put those links in. And yeah, I have a LinkedIn yeah. Centropic World as well as a Christine profile as well. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Well, thank you, Kelly. It's lovely to talk to you. And, it is lovely um, to talk to you. I, I hope everybody has enjoyed this <laughs> conversation. Hopefully, we've blown a few light bulbs out there in the brain world. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much.